0: So there are several ideas and suggestions for protecting New York from devastating storm surges in the future, barriers and gates, for example, but writer Paul Greenberg has one of his own, oysters. That's right, Greenberg wrote an op-ed for the New York Times that explained how centuries ago, oysters were a fundamental defense for the city. Paul Greenberg joins us now by Skype, and I gather you're at a friend's house because your home has lost power, that Right.
1: Yeah, we're blacked out, um, as is all of lower Manhattan right now. We live on Broadway right near uh, Ground Zero in Zuccotti Park. So we're now in an area that has power, but below 30th Street, it's all blacked out.
0: So what did it look like on your block this morning when you left?
1: Well, the block itself was okay. I mean, you see debris everywhere. But when you walk down the hill, it it turns out that Broadway is a ridge line. And when you walk downhill, past a certain point, you start to see this water line on buildings. And if you peer into the windows uh, of bars and restaurants, it just looks like there was a huge bar fight with a lot of mud. Um, So you see chairs and tables thrown all over the place. One place, a famous fish market restaurant called the Paris, had literally a stream of beer bottles coming out the door and yes, people were picking them up and drinking them.
0: <laughs> uh, what's it smell like, Paul?
1: It smells a lot like gasoline or diesel. And in fact the sidewalks around the seaport area are stippled with that, you know, sort of rainbow hue of gas. That's the sticky, gross, oily smell, with a little tinge of, you know, sort of raw sewage along the edge.
0: Oh my God. So how long is it going to take to clean something like this up? I don't think New York is talking about days or even weeks to get back to normal. No.
1: I mean, you know, I used to work in places like Bosnia and Georgia and other sort of war-torn places, and that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, we'll probably get our subways up somewhat soon. Yeah, maybe we'll get the electricity going. But, you know, the cafe where I normally write, uh, I saw them literally just like, you know, sweeping gallons of water out the door and all these private businesses down there. I, I mean, this is a devastating lifetime event.
0: Boy, that sounds pretty rough. Uh, well, let's get back to your op-ed, Paul. Oysters?
1: Yeah, well, so it turns out once upon a time, New York and, and really a lot of the East Coast uh, was literally covered in oysters. Oysters, what they do is uh, when they are born, they are little free-swimming larvae. And they set upon other oyster shells and then build shells of their own. And you do this enough times, time and time again, over 7,000 years, which is what the time period we're talking about, you end up with reefs. And so it turns out that New York City was girded by this temperate reef of oysters, just like tropical islands are girded by coral reefs. And what those do is they not only protect the near shore because they stabilize it, A little bit further offshore, the reefs create undulation and um, contour to the harbor and actually break up the wave action before they hit the shore.
0: Ah, so it uh, minimizes erosion.
1: It does. Um, And you know, unfortunately, for the last 400 years, we've pretty much hounded the oyster out of existence. You know, for the first 300 years, we just ate them mercilessly. And when we were done eating them, instead of tossing the shells back into the water, which would have been good because it would have been home for more oysters, instead we burned a lot of the shell down for lime, which is used for plaster and other industrial uses. We crushed up the shells and used them for roadbeds, beds um, and literally just teared cubic mile after cubic mile of these things out of the harbor. And it's almost like kind of opening up a bleeding wound for the sea to come rushing back in.
0: What kind of future is there in oysters as a barrier?
1: You know, it's going to have to be a collaboration between humans and oysters if we'd like oysters back in the harbor to help us. Oysters right now can't form their own reefs in New York Harbor. The current is too swift. The water quality, while it's better than it was, still you know, it requires some help from us. So what's happened is a consortium of different organizations, including Baykeeper, uh, Hudson River Foundation, a few others, have built these test reefs in the harbor where they actually, the Army Corps of Engineers laid down some rock. And then on top of that, you do what's called spat on shell, which is uh, the little baby oysters that have already bonded to a little chunk of shell that is in turn connected to the reef. The idea is if you could get enough of these reefs planted throughout the harbor, they would produce a lot of larvae. um, They would start to produce shell. And you could maybe get the momentum going so that you could start to reclaim some of this reef structure that we've lost.
0: For a storm surge, how many feet of protection do you think an oyster reef would provide?
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's the, the devilish question is once upon a time, I mean, these reefs were, you know, yards high, you know, 10, 20, 30 feet high. It takes a long time to get to that point. But the thing about an oyster reef is that unlike a stopper or some sort of, you know, floodgate that we'd have to build, oyster reefs build themselves. We get them going. They will maintain themselves and build themselves higher and higher until they're, you know, really at the height that, that they should be to ease the storm surge. And really, you know, if you want to kind of duck into this sort of Gaia hypothesis that the Earth protects itself, it's kind of quite true with the oyster because the oyster doesn't like a situation where it's exposed to pounding sea. So when it creates reefs it creates calmer water, which in turn allows for more oysters to grow. So in a way, if we could work out a relationship with the oyster where it's helping itself, it's also going to help us.
0: Okay, Paul, so imagine an oyster reef now 10, 20 feet high. How do you get a ship through there? How do you navigate through all those oyster reefs? Well,
1: you're definitely going to have to have shipping channels. And it may be that some sort of solution to helping New York survive is going to be part oysters, part hardware that we're actually going to have to plant in the harbor. There's a very interesting landscape architect named Kate Orff, and her studio, Scape Studio, did a really nice exhibit. She has this idea called Oyster Texture, where... You would basically build a a series of structures, false floors, fuzzy rope, different things that oysters could attach to that would create the reef structure throughout the different parts of the harbor. And if you guide it in such a way, if you envision where you want your shipping channels, then conceivably you could start to build your reefs in such a way that they wouldn't interfere with shipping.
0: So let's just go to the bottom line here, Paul. If we had the level of oysters that were in New York Harbor originally some 300 years ago, would Sandy have had the punch that she had?
1: I think her punch would have been uh, blocked by a left hook um, or, or some sort of blocking maneuver. I'm not a boxer, but um, it would have been softened. And keep in mind when I say an oyster reef being 10, 20 feet high, that's subtitle. So we're not talking about, you know, a seawall that would be actually higher than the storm surge. We're talking about something below water that would block the energy of the incoming waves and I think would probably have done quite a bit to soften the blow. Again, I'm not an engineer, I'm a writer, but um, the engineers and the scientists I've talked to like this idea, and I don't think the Army Corps of Engineers would have invested their time and money into this project if they didn't think there was some potential.
0: A left hook, or I think in New York it's red hook, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Well, red hook got the left hook, unfortunately.
0: Paul Greenberg is author of Four Fish, The Future of the Last Wild Food. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Steve. Coming up, recalibrating how we measure risk. Keep listening to Living on Earth.